This show is brought to you by Objectivity Squared Wealth Management, helping families strategize, execute, monitor, and communicate their financial decisions. Learn more at objectivitysquared.com. And remember, the road that is distinctly your own has never been traversed. Celebrate the path that is your call to adventure. All right, welcome to Call to Adventure. It's John Duckworth here with Alexopoulos in the Ohm Radio studio high atop the Joseph Floyd Manor in beautiful Charleston, South Carolina. We are here with none other than one of the guiding forces behind this very radio station, Vicki Matsis. Thanks for being here, Vicki. Thanks so much for having me. It's such an honor. Awesome. Well, for those of you who don't know, we'll tell you a little bit more about you and then we'll get into a conversation. Um, Vicki's been the manager of the Not So Hostel for over 10 years and has won the highest award from the City of Charleston Green Business Challenge three years in a row. In 2012, she wrote a book called Inside an American Hostel. Uh, she is a yoga teacher, a Vipassana meditator, certified in permaculture, and is also a realtor that sells affordable housing units downtown to those with income restrictions. She's the president and co-founder of the nonprofit Media Reform SC, which helped bring this radio station to air. She's also a musician that plays piano and sings locally with her husband, Lee Barber. And she was recently selected as one of Charleston's 50 Most Progressive by Charlie Magazine for 2016. So congrats on the Most Progressive selection. That's pretty exciting. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful. Well, uh, as Alex and I were talking uh, before the show, um, we both just wanted to shout out to you that we're so thankful for being here and having the opportunity to have this radio show on air. So without your commitment to media reform and community produced radio um, we wouldn't be doing this ourselves so thank you yeah absolutely and this show too is one of the reasons why we wanted to create something like ohm radio to feature locals who are doing incredible things that you wouldn't hear about any other way you know mm. for commercial media you don't have an hour on television to do an in-depth re- interview normally you know right. for, for a local community activist or um you know, same thing with some of the other shows as well, to give people an opportunity to dig a little deeper and to expose different ideas and voices to people that wouldn't normally hear it. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, it seems to be working. There's, been, you know, there's, a, there's a groundswell of, of interest and, uh, and love for the station coming through Charleston, so something seems to be working. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. Sh- share with the audience how that started. The process? The process. Yes. I mean, you launched a a radio show. I mean, it goes back to to being in college, right? Yeah, I went to the College of Charleston, and um, my advisor, Dr. Faye Stoyer, who's the founder of Media Reform South Carolina, I like to say that I have become like the face that people associate with on radio, but she is the brains. She she is really the reason. Um, And so I studied with her. She created a class called Mass Media and Human Development, and I took it. And um, completely changed the way I related with media. I had never understood I wasn't media literate. I was a junior in college and didn't understand that what I was watching and that what I was reading and what I was listening to was controlled by six corporations and how that happened. So I'd love just mm. a little history. You know, the Telecommunications Act of 1996 deregulated our media. So from 
the Telecommunications Act of 1934 to 1996, there were very strict regulations. You could only have, for example, five newspapers, three television stations, and two radio stations. And so it severely limited how much media you could own and therefore control. And so when it became deregulated in 1996, signed by President Clinton, it it just became the biggest media company could eat up all the smaller ones. And so that's kind of what's happened. And that's where we are now. And that's why our news has become the way it's become, you know, changes in uh, the truth and reporting and, you know, and and all that that has happened. So because the news was different in, let's say, the 80s and early 90s, it was a different media landscape. And as, as, as gr- the corporations started gobbling up more and more smaller outlets, then you start to get a bit of a homogeny happening because the, the voice at the top is really dictating a lot more mm. about what's being said. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so Media Reform South Carolina, one of the first things we did is we went to our public, radio, our public television stations and we went through public files and we uh, scanned them and we sent them to Free Press, which is a large organization that works um, in our country to educate the folks about media reform. And we had covert consolidation happening here in Charleston. So basically two different television stations, like let's say Alex, you own one and John, you own another. And you know, John, you pay Alex to um, run his station, essentially. But it, it looks like it's owned by someone different. So when we recorded mm. the segments at night, you know, we recorded the, tele- the newscasters. They're saying the exact same things. And there's a great bit. Uh, Conan does a great bit about right. it as well. It's, you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. There's just 50 different newscasters all saying the exact same phrase. Word for word, line for line. Yeah, exactly. And so we took that and sent it to Free Press and they made a video for it and they sent it out in their newsletters, which goes out to thousands and thousands of people. And that was our first bit of activism uh, with media reform, South Carolina. So when I was in college, that's what I learned about. And she became my advisor, became very close. And we traveled to the National Conference for Media Reform. And so we went to several of those and that's where we learned about the low power FM opportunity that was coming up, um, the Low-Power Community Radio Act of 2011. So since airwaves do belong to the public, um, Prometheus Radio, who helped come here and set up this station, they're the true like radio rebels, they actually sued um, and took it all the way to the Supreme Court, and they sued the FCC, and they got this ruling showing that... uh, you know, that their rules were ridiculous. And, and they go into countries that don't have any access to any sort of public airwaves. And there's, I sort of think of them as like guerrilla activists, right? I mean, oh, they help. Absolutely. In, in places like Libya, Nicaragua, and, Nicaragua, and mm-hmm. all around the world. Mm-hmm. They do. They, because radio is the most democratic medium that we still have. You don't have to be literate. You don't have to have access to the internet, which is a very still a very small percentage in the mm-hmm. world, you know, that acts, has access to that um, type of information. So, yeah, several people, like Amy Goodman says, hundreds of people in a village can gather around a radio and that news and information can change their lives. Mm -hmm. Um, So, she became my advisor. I did my senior, like, thesis, my senior project with her about media. And then she started this group where we met at her kitchen table and once a month we talked about issues of media and it was like just you know there's this was through the unitarian church i believe right well she she well yeah it was like um 
a project of the Social Justice Committee because mm-hmm. that's where she went. And oh, okay. Um, you know, I was never a part of that. But so there was still like Lee was there at the beginning too. So people who weren't part of the church were welcome to come as well. Um, but yeah, it's like you know, there's four of us in the room. Sometimes there's just be four of us, and we would just sit around and talk about media, and then it has turned. Into this. Into this, and here we are it on the air. It is so wild. <laughs> I know. Did you ever imagine in your wildest dreams at that moment that, that you would be running a radio station? You know, no. It was such a no. long shot that we would actually be able to apply. It took us two years to actually get our application in. And then we applied to the Torchbearer program with Prometheus, which is a grant program. And it was all kind of like we had a one in whatever thousand chance. And they accepted us and they helped us. And um, we got our application in and then we got a and then we got a station and then we had 18 months to raise $20,000. And so it just one thing after another kept pointing us in this direction mm-hmm. and things kept working and so yeah, at what point are. did it really feel like you you mentioned this as a call to your call to adventure for you oh gosh I, I yeah. mean, and, and at what point did it really feel like you were jumping in because I, I you said two years in the process once you make an app you apply mm-hmm. and that was that application did that feel like a real leap of faith like you're you're, you're jumping into the unknown or was that more like this is a good thing to do um mm-hmm. at what point did it really feel like you were out there um, yeah, I guess when, when it started, like most of my free time was going to okay. it. It's like, I'm really dedicated to this. Like, I really want this and not being attached to the outcome. That's always been helpful too. Just like, there's totally a chance this won't happen. And mm. so just giving it all I had at the time and asking for as much help as I could, which is uh, a new skill I'm learning as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested, you know, we'll talk later on about uh, sort of calls to adventure and what John and I think about is sort of a life that, that is in alignment, you mm-hmm. know, to, to, to Gandhi's quote that we'll, we'll discuss later. But I'm curious as to, you know, when we, we go into uh, people locally that inspire you and, you know, I, I'm inspired by the Sea Turtle Hospital. I'm inspired by local businesses that are succeeding and keeping Charleston local and unique. Low Country Local First and the work they are doing in my neighborhood to create a chain-free district inspired by small changes toward progress. So where did that sort of mindset about change and local change mm-hmm. um, where, where, where were the seeds of that planted because I would imagine that was sort of led you down the path of creating local radio mm-hmm. for the people sort of by the people yeah so when I became involved with my neighborhood association actually so I as part mm. of my work as part of um, being manager of the hostel I go to the meetings every month and so became very involved in that process and became the vice president of the neighborhood association and really learned how local government works and it starts actually at the neighborhood association and you know going up to our city council member and then attending city council meetings and learning like oh i get it so if i want to ban plastic bags in charleston like this is the process i have to go through this process and get this petition and go to these people and then have to have this many readings and just learning about it um yeah learning about that process and also doing a lot of personal work that I can't change anything outside of me. You know, I, I can't, in a way I can and I can't, mm-hmm. but it's like mostly it starts with me. Like I used to get so down about 
the environment and just the world and the things that were out of my control. And so then focusing on what was in my control. And I, I remember someone telling me, it's like when the world is at war, when there's like chaos, it's like make your garden beautiful. Oh, like, interesting. You know, do what you can mm -hmm. and affect what you can. And, and that's how, like, if I change myself, I'll change my family and then I'll change my city, which will change my state, which will change my country, which will change the world. It goes that way instead of the other way around. Yeah, it's the whole bottom up rather than top down sort yeah. of philosophy that seems to be um, most helpful today as far as particularly, you know, I think that uh, there's a tendency to, to, to look at how big the, the, the world is and how many people are here and how hard it is to get things to happen. There's, there's a tendency towards apathy. Mm. Um, and, but when you do look at... Now, Charleston, I think, is such a great example of, of, of why not to be apathetic because there's a lot that can happen here and it is a relatively small city. So you can go from your neighborhood association to city council and suddenly you're realizing, wow, I can actually get things done. Mm -hmm. Things can happen. Change can happen right here. And that's, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, there's something about to like small is beautiful. I really mm. I believe in that as well because I grew up kind of in um, right outside of Detroit for a little while and then in a suburb of Toledo, Ohio, and so it was very spread out. It wasn't mm. did not feel connected, and I didn't have any sense of that possibility in those places. Okay. And it wasn't until I moved to Charleston. I was like, oh, I can go to this place and run into this person, and then this can happen as a result of this, and then I can meet this. I mean, it was just, it was full of possibility and it didn't seem too large or out of scale. Yeah. Because um, for a little while, I took some time off college and I went out to California and I lived in San Francisco, which I thought was going to be like my Mecca, you know, it's just going to be like my people are out here. <laughs> right. And um, that wasn't the case. It wasn't? No, huh. not at all. Um, I mean, sure, there's, there's a lot of like-minded people out there, but... Um, I don't like living in a big city and I don't like going, you know, six months without recognizing somebody. Uh, and when did you move to Charleston? I moved to Charleston when I was a freshman in college. Okay. For school then. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I didn't have any contacts here. I didn't have a single family member or friend or anyone that I knew when I moved here. G going back to that idea of media and, and being, and being reduced to like six companies that control media and mm -hmm. I think about like our food sources and you know how food is now being controlled by the top and you think about our fashion or you know clothing is controlled by the top and mm -hmm. but there seems to be whether it's in the slow food movement with culinary with cuisine or sort of what you're doing do you get a sense that there's sort of a, a reaction against that that's gaining some Momentum, for lack of a better term, of like pausing to deconstruct how these things have happened. I mean, because they've happened so quick. Yeah, they have happened quick. Yeah, they, they have, and there's like a generational gap too. For it seems like my parents, because they grew up with oh. different laws and regulations, and they trust the FDA and they trust the things that come from the government. Um, but I do think because of the internet and the rise of it, and how ubiquitous it's become on telephones and that that has a tremendous effect on people being more educated on like oh what is in our food or like what isn't a chicken nugget that's not really chicken you know that's like <laughs> that information is so much more accessible now than it ever was before how does how does radio <laughs> and local radio you know because you think about on the one hand 
sort of the the large media corporations are controlling the message and mm-hmm. then on the other hand that's in contrast with like the the democratization of anybody has a voice through the internet you know through whatever that may be blogging or podcast or, or podcast or right mm-hmm. right here so it seems like a there's dual things happening. And where does radio fit into that landscape, you think? Yeah, it fits in the middle because there's so much information out on the internet. There's so many bloggers and commenters that it's easy to get lost in it. Hmm. And with radio, it's still in every single person's car. You know, it's still right. scanning through and it's still um, still so easily available and accessible. You know, you can put on a radio just with an antenna and, and get the signal, whereas that's different. It used to be the case with televisions. You know, you remember with the mm-hmm. little bunny ears? Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, one of the reasons that has changed is so that it can be more trackable. That was part of my senior thesis as well, just mm-hmm. that, you know, that really took away the democratization of television because now you have to have, like, a box. And the box, I mean, I don't have a TV because so, I checked out of that like 10 years ago when I learned about all that stuff, so I haven't had cable since then. Um, but now you have to have a box that's connected to a thing that's connected to where you live, to your name, so that you know advertisers are pulling that information. So if you and I are watching the same program, I'll see a different commercial, let's say, than you're going to see. Geared towards your demographic specifically. <laughs> Geared towards yeah. how much money you make, towards mm-hmm. what car you drive, like all that information. Like, oh, Kia's sending you mail. Like all of that is being yeah. sold, that, that information. And so I guess, you know, really educating the, the populace on being media literate. Just where is this information coming from and why? Well, and it, it, I guess once you trust the source, if you feel like you can trust the source, you can tune into the dial and just uh, uh, listen to the information that's coming your way. Now on the internet, as you mentioned, Alex, you know, if you, you have to, you're, you're searching and, and, and the pile is endless. Right. You know, so it's that whole idea that you and I have talked about before about curating. I mean, ideally a good station um, uh, will curate content in a way that the, that the listener begins to trust. Mm. You know, oh, this is worth listening to. I don't have to tune in for a specific thing. I can just put it on and I, I can I'll get some interesting information here. Mm-hmm. Without the undercurrent of um, commercialization without the undercurrent of like they want me to buy something right or they want there's something else in exchange here for mm. what i'm getting wait long enough it'll come it'll come <laughs> right yeah <laughs> what would you want you know the community to say about this community station um five years from now i mean if, if you're if you mm-hmm. and all the community and the citizens that support this because it is a tribe mm-hmm. uh continue to be successful and this continues to air and uh, we expect that it would what, what would be the the outcome like what, what would be your dream for that that it is a radio station like wncw which i think a lot mm-hmm. in Asheville, which a lot of people have heard of and um is a real source of good news good information good music like a place where a lot of different things people ideas music can come together and all coexist peacefully Hmm. in in one place yeah and just something that yeah that people uh yeah that people tune into and really like and and also want to contribute you know people ask me like what are what are you going to do on the station it's like well it's not what i'm going to do right it's what the community is going to create you know i can't force people to like submit us a show you know because yeah. what's on the air now over 26 djs um 
is just is what's come from the community. And we put a call out there and we say, like, let's if it follows all the rules and um, you've got a good idea and the energy to do it. Let's hear it. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. people have showed up. Yeah. 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 Well, that's yeah. fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so much more to talk about, as always. Uh, uh, but before we get into the next call to adventure, let's listen to some music. And the first song we want to play is uh, by Nako and his medicine for the people. It's called Manifesto. That's the one I want to play. That's the one you want to play. Yeah, oh, let's do have it now? you play it then. Totally. Oh, <laughs> okay. perfect. All right. Nice. <laughs> I like it. Well, this is music. This is how I use it. Makes you move and move the movement. This is how I focus, knowing it's not hopeless. It sure starts with me and ends on a whole no musical medicine. This is my healing for past and present, future things to come. I see people stressing over space and possessions out of fear and need for visual aids of our abundance give me examples of something tangible something i can get my hands on and find real meaning where is the medicine well i've been searching each will find it in their own kind Everything's at stake Makes it hard to concentrate Cause there are men who see a war And see a paycheck Such different programming To live so fearfully Tear this and tear that terrible reality There is no medicine on the television So turn it off and turn yourself around And I was listening to the outgoing seasons About climate change and some other reasons Till the sky opened like I'd been hoping There came horses by the thousands And there was thunder on their tongues lightning on their minds and they were singing this melody from some other time they sang don't waste your hate rather gather and create be of service be a sensible person use your words and don't nervous you can do this you've got purpose find your medicine and use it they sing don't waste your hate rather gather and create be of service be a sensible person Use your words and don't be nervous You can do this, you've got purpose Find your medicine and use it Find your medicine and use it
All right. Wow, Vicky, that was fantastic. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, thanks for having your me. singing and guitar playing. That was beautiful. Alex and I love it when people play music up here for us. Uh, cool. I couldn't <laughs> find a version that uh, didn't have swearing in it and was not so long. So oh, it was great. And <laughs> create my own. And unscripted, because yeah. we were going to ask if you would play some music, and you just <laughs> went ahead and brought your guitar, so it's perfect. Um, and you said that, that so he came, this this, this guy, uh, Nako, came mm-hmm. to stay at the hostel, and so you got to meet him, and he played at your piano there? Yeah. Really cool. Yeah, he did. Him and his band came through. They played at the Poor House uh, last year, and they're coming back again. And um, yeah, they stayed. We hosted them at the hostel, and yeah, I sat From Portland? Him. Is that right? From uh, for actually from the Big Island of Hawaii, originally from Portland. Yeah, okay. but um, I spent some time out on the Big Island as well. My best friend lived out there for a long time, so I've spent you know a month or two out there. And nice. Um, yeah. Well, I love that line: the, the "Be of service, be a sensible person, <laughs> and use your words, and don't be nervous." Yeah. Uh, you've got purpose, and and it of course made Alex and I think of the quote that you love from Gandhi, mm-hmm. which is "Happiness is when what you think." what you say and what you do are in harmony. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of where, you know, what we wanted to get into here with you was just this sort of, this idea of these things being aligned with your values, all these different things that you're engaged in um, are really in line with a, a certain sense of values, with sustainability, with community, um, with creating a, a certain sense of empowerment as well. Was that something that you were born with, or was that something that over time has sort of emerged as a thing that you're really attracted to? I don't think I was born with it. Okay. That's a good question. I, I grew up very differently than the life I have now. Okay. I grew up much, much more uh, traditional. Mm-hmm. My father is a Greek Orthodox priest, so very religious, uh-huh. and uh, just grew up, you know, kind of uh, a regular-ish suburban, you know, eating whatever. And uh, In Detroit? Uh, in de- par- partly uh, Connecticut, uh, Michigan, and Ohio, kind of okay. where I spent mo- yeah, my childhood in, in different phases. I definitely started to create the life that I wanted once I moved away and came to Charleston. Okay. Yeah, I didn't, you know, I, oh, I became a vegetarian when I was 16, kind of when we got the internet at our house, really. You know, I remember like our AOL dial up when we were, I was like 11, <laughs> and you had like a couple of minutes. <laughs> You know, yeah, to like see. chat with your friend, and so that wasn't information seeking. But once it got um, a little bit more available and had a lot of inf- new information that you know my parents just didn't have, they just simply didn't know or didn't have. Um, I started to do some research and kind of broke away from all the things I was taught as mm. a child, all the things I um, grew up with, like my religion and my eating habits, <laughs> and started doing yoga and exploring a whole new world and realizing there's different types of people out there and that I could really create something different if Lo- I wanted. Lots of friction through that process or was that a pretty, um, you know, uh, healthy um, exit <laughs> from a life that you used to live to one that you wanted to build? There wasn't a lot of friction because my father actually, my parents split when I was 13 and he moved away. And so before, you know, I grew up in two separate households, like one with a very religious strict, um, and then, and then it was gone. And so I had a lot of freedom, you know, I could, I dated, you know, this guy in, in uh, high school was Jewish. who was like, that was unheard of, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, uh, and started eating tofu, just my mom's like, just like, whatever. Lamb. You're supposed to eat lamb. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of lamb. Um, but this was even before I started to, um, 
you know, I was lactose intolerant, which is very common for Mediterranean people. Um, so this was before they even had like soy milk readily available. So that kind of started it. And um, yeah, there wasn't a lot of resistance. I now in my, you know, relationship with my parents, it's a blessing actually that they, to be able to see it that way, you know, that they split and I went through this difficult period, but it gave me a lot of um, it freedom. It opened up possibilities for you. Yeah, a lot of freedom yeah. to explore. Hmm. That's really nice. Yeah. Well, speaking of exploring, I know you mentioned one of your calls to adventure was a Knowles trip to Alaska. Yeah. Share with us that experience. So I did not grow up camping. We were not that kind of family. <laughs> okay. This yeah. is the first time I ever went camping. Was it really for 30 days? You're like, well, let's just deep dive. <laughs> let's just go in. Well, I had no idea what I was getting into. I won a scholarship because uh, it was okay. out of my um, possibility financially. You know, those, okay. are, those are expensive like, but courses. But you wanted to do this. So this was a scholarship you applied for? Or was it a I, bit yeah. of a surprise? Well, I got, no, I got assigned a, a story through the George Street Observer. I was writing for the, the local oh, okay. paper. This okay. is in high school? This is in college, okay. the George Street Observer. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. called something different now. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. The yeah, the I do. GSO. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I went to the college, too. <laughs> nice. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I got assigned a story, and then, you know, just got in contact with the Knowles people, and they were doing this tour on with a bus, no emissions bus, and had a climbing wall on the side of it, and to apply for a scholarship, you had to do it in person, you had to do it on the spot. So they're like, do you want to go on a Knowles trip? And I had done so much research for the story. I was like, yeah, sounds great, but I'm already like in this much in loan debt, you know, that's not gonna happen. They're like, well, we give out 10 of these a year, you know, you might get one. So yeah, I got one. It's and really, it. it's really wild. I mean, I, you know, don't usually win like lottery or raffle or things like that. You know? How did they notify you? Did they call or? I had an answering machine in my dorm room, like an old school answering machine. And I was laying in bed one day and yeah, I just. Didn't pick up the phone and heard them leaving calls. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, be in uh, Anchorage, Alaska on June 7th. Wow. Yeah. You you refer to it as 30 days of uh, learning no trace principles and sort of wilderness survival. What were the big takeaways mm -hmm. about just no trace principles? Leave no trace. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's also where I started to learn a lot about sustainability and the impact that humans have everywhere they go and how it's a very um, habitual thing and kind of an unconscious thing that we leave our mark hmm. in places that we inhabit. Is this so, where permaculture started to get on your radar after that after that yeah so a year okay. after that i kind of uh dropped out of college of charleston and took a year off and went to san francisco and studied at the new college of california super hippie school with like no yeah. grades and that's where i got certified in nonviolent communication and permaculture and okay studied our watershed and you know just all different type of education so besides not really loving san francisco you had a pretty good experience with this oh yeah this college oh absolutely i learned yeah. so much um and we lived on a farm, grew our own food, sold it at a farmer's market. But it all it all kind of tied in. I didn't spend a lot of time in nature, I guess, um, hmm. as, as a child. I mean, we played outside, but not like the wilderness, not camping, mm -hmm. not that kind of experience where we didn't see. So was that. it scary? When you um, think about going, when you, you, you hear that on your answer machine, like, oh, wow, I'm going to go for 30 days into oh, the wilderness. so excited. Yeah, excited. totally terrified. Terrified. <laughs> and, you know, at the time was not in shape or anything, but um, okay. <laughs> just had to go straight into it. You know, first day, like hiking several miles. And I was like, okay, I'm, you know, I carried a backpack of 60 pounds. And, um, yeah, I got to see incredible wildlife and just... Um, I don't know, learn, spend a lot of time without any distractions. I, I found when you were talking about, um, you know, 
people you most admire and you went on to say sort of if we could only see how we are connected to each other and to everything we would act differently as people Mm -hmm. and as a species and John you've talked a lot before about sort of how we think of ourselves and nature as two two separate entities right yeah we're outside of it I mean that's that's the prevailing sentiment I think in in, in modern culture right Mm -hmm. right It's it's an us and them even even a lot of times the environmental movement will will get that argument wrong and saying we must save it as if it is not us. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. And it's a it's a subtle thing, but it's actually somebody told this to me once and it was a real sort of mind blowing where they said that's the same argument as as oil companies raping it. Because it again is translating it to an it. It's some it's not us. It's something outside of us. Mm-hmm. And so it has this really interesting disconnection. Either way, you say it. I was, I was having a conversation with uh, a health professional recently, and we were just talking about holistic health. And I was th- thinking about holistic health in, in the context of, well, our natural environment is part of our holistic health. Um, and I really hadn't thought about it that way before, but it really is going outside of ourselves to something bigger of which we're a part of. And that, that all circles back to the Gandhi quote, which I just think is so powerful. Hmm. Yeah. Um, well, Julia Butterfly Hill calls it the disease of disconnect. You know, the woman uh, who, yeah. who sat in a redwood tree out in Northern California for two years to save it. The disease of disconnect. The disease that we're not connected. Like mm-hmm. that, you know, I talk about the Sea Turtle Hospital, which I, I love. It's one of my yeah. favorite things in Charleston. And all these people gather to go release these sea turtles. And then, the, you know, the same people are, are using like plastic bags at the grocery store that. Mm that are causing the problems that the sea turtles on the hospital for. Or, you know, if you've ever seen the video of someone pulling a straw out of a, a sea turtle's nose and the blood coming mm. out of its nose and the pain, it's just like, I don't need a plastic straw in my drink. It's just so unconscious. It's so habitual. It's so, I don't see that how that, that one single choice does affect so many other things. And that's what I mean, if that we could see like, Oh, this oh, yeah. very convenient little thing that I didn't think about could one day like call, kill another sea turtle. Because if you tell people directly, if they're connected, this is what happens when you do this. They're like, well, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do that. You right. know, sea turtles think that this plastic bag is jellyfish and, and it eats it and it kills them. Um, well, the, dis- the disconnect comes from the speed of it, too. It's, it's a generational thing where, where, you know, we grew up with paper bags and then plastic bags and then you know our children don't really know the difference sometimes uh, if or some children don't where they're just like well plastic is what we use mm-hmm. it's not like there was something else mm-hmm. and so it, it takes something to hit them over the head to realize a connection to something outside of that process yeah. and it's hard to get that it's hard to make that connection yeah or besides I, sending everybody to see the sea turtles at the aquarium right and crying you mentioned going to india you said in 2012. Mm-hmm. And, and while you're there, you're doing a few different things. You said you're in sitting and meditating in caves and going to ashrams and also being very diligent about writing a book. Well, no, the book came after that as a came result. after that. As a ah, result, as a yeah. Result of because that. Okay. I had a month off from my life, basically, from, you know, right out of college, working several jobs and um, constantly filling my time. It's been one of my addictions, like being busy. Mm. to avoid stillness, to avoid extra space. And, uh, 
And so when I was there, I had so much time to think and really dove into meditation in a deeper way. I had done my 200-hour yoga certification, and then this was an extension of that, the 500-hour certification part of that. And so I went with Holy Cow Yoga, and we went to South Mm. India, North India, all these incredible places. And as I sat and I learned about my mind, specifically the nature of my mind, I came up with this plan, you know, I have this goal. I've been trying to write this book for two years with like very little progress. Instead of waiting for inspiration to hit, you know, hit, that was kind of my old idea of um, some people are creative and some people aren't. And some people have this like drive and some people don't. Mm. Instead of it being an actual practice, something just like anything else you can get better at with time and practice. That was like a new concept oh, yeah. for okay. me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so as I sat and I just realized uh, my thoughts, one of the, the types is like, uh, you know, I'm thinking of either the future or the past. It's either pleasant or unpleasant. And, and categorizing my thoughts and realizing they were so scattered. And that's, you know, Goinka says that's one of the definitions of madness, not being able to hold like linear thoughts. And so watching my mind for hours at a time, be like, oh, my mind's very scattered. And then I saw that connection in my life. My life's very scattered. I'm doing a little bit of this here, a little bit of that there, and not doing any of them very well. Mm. And so while I was there, I quit. I was writing for the Post and Courier. I had a weekly column. I interviewed artists for several years. And um, I quit teaching yoga and made this, this plan where when I came back, I would go to the public library where they didn't have internet or wouldn't put it up on my computer. And like I said, if I was a minute late, I'd have to stay 30 minutes extra. And if I missed a day, I'd have to go in on Saturday. I thought that was very interesting how intentional the discipline that you placed on yourself. The parameters. The parameters, yeah. Yeah, because I knew that I wished I was this type of person that I'd read about. Like, oh, they wake up every morning at 6 a.m. and they write and they do this. You know, they have this natural discipline. And instead of wishing I was something different, working with what the reality actually was like who I actually was and what my habits actually were. And they were that I need structure. And, you know, Mm -hmm. sometimes I wish it wasn't that way. But that was part of why I went back to school two years ago. You know, I wanted to learn jazz piano. And the only way I was going to do it is if I had structure. And so I know that about myself now. (laughs) And so I can work with it instead of fighting against it. Instead of wishing you were somebody else. Yeah. 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 But it's it's interesting because when I think of you and, Mm -hmm. you know, you've, You've gone to school. You've you've gotten a scholarship. You're you're a vegetarian. You're you're a yoga. You're going to India. You're you're writing for the Post and Courier. I mean, you're a very accomplished young woman at that age. When you think that um, I'm scattered Mm -hmm. and uh, I don't have the practice of doing Mm -hmm. of accomplishing something. Mm -hmm. I want to accomplish. So that's a little bit confusing for me. Where you just going horizontally in a lot of different directions and, and wanted to go deep in in one? Yeah, absolutely. See what that was like, because that's still a part of my life that to really commit to something. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I'm also really good at making it look like I got it all together. Right. You know, <laughs> like that's um, another great thing I learned about um it's off topic, but jazz piano, like going back to school, is like I, that was the one thing in my life I couldn't fake. You know, I uh. got through school with like 4.0, 3.9, really high grades, and I could always just wing it, you know, and I could con- convince my teachers and t- do well on tests. But something that's like required deep focus and concentration and a full commitment 
you know, like that. You can't wing it. Like writing a book, you can't wing it. That's right. just it's like stuff like that. It just you can't fake it. So, um, and it's all relative too. I thought in you know in my mind how I wanted it to be versus how it was. I was listening to a podcast. John and I were talking about. Um, Eric Zimmer and his podcast is the one you feed and it's about addiction Ooh, yeah. but uh, it's based upon the, the parable of the good wolf and the bad wolf mm-hmm. and the grandfather's mm-hmm. talking to the young boy and, and they're talking about sort of the good wolf is kindness, bravery and love and, and the bad wolf is greed, hatred and fear mm-hmm. and the grandson asks well who wins in the battle and the grandfather says the one you feed. You wrote a song about that mm-hmm. did you not yeah. John you, yeah. you identified that I'm like that's really cool that's some research <laughs> you did it in my sound cloud yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> so who's your bad wolf oh man bad wolf is laziness you know just like uh, just faking it and um, and yeah being real just I can be real um, foggy you know I can let it go it's, it's a struggle mm. and I think it is for everyone who is that's why I also like went to Vipassana. That's why I go to these like very structured things, um, yeah, to check out first to realize that I I, I do have a bad wolf. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I've done a lot of personal work with David Michael in the center and just realizing like who I actually am versus who I want to be. Like taking off my mask and knowing that my actions tell the truth, not like what I say, not what I write, not this like person that I pretend to be out in the world but it's like who I who am I actually mm. and then where do I want to go because if I if I think I'm like here in the middle and I'm trying to get up here it's going to be much more difficult instead of if like I'm here this is like really where I am this right. is like where my thoughts are this is actually how much control I have over my mind which is maybe like 30 seconds at a time right being really <laughs> honest about right. it yeah honest and without yeah. judgment uh, without like judgment objectively well, observing yeah. it so it's yeah. like this is who I am, and now I can work with this. Mm-hmm. Now I can really harness like the potential that I have, because I'm not lying to myself anymore. Mm. Yeah, my, I mean, my bad wolf's there. My bad <laughs> wolf's sure. there. Yeah, we all got it. But you know, we talk about that a lot on on this show. Is it comes up a lot with everybody? Is this idea of stillness, mm. of getting quiet enough to be able to even listen enough to mm-hmm. know that you can't sit still for 30 seconds without it bouncing this way or that way, you know? Yeah. So that much, I mean, I find that, I was talking to Sal in meditation yesterday about this, that most people, when they sit for meditation the very first time, probably 99% of people, mm-hmm. find it almost excruciatingly difficult. Mm-hmm. And, and, it's, and it's, a, it's such a curious commentary on the state of our minds that just sitting still for five minutes, mm-hmm. 10 minutes, and doing nothing is the most challenging thing that people can do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, not knowing what kind of mind you have is right. just terrifying. It can be. At first. But then and it can be completely liberating because you know what you're dealing with. Absolutely. Hopefully. Yeah. Well, the mind, too, needs constant food. You know, they say, like, mm-hmm. you can eat once a day. Your, your body doesn't need constant food. But your mind needs constant food. So that's when, when you sit still, you're, you close your eyes, and you're not giving it any food then everything mm. else starts to come up. Mm-hmm. So you get to experience a whole lot more than you expected. A whole lot more than you thought was going on. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's like, I love the analogy of meditation. It's like you're sitting in a car and you think you're driving it. And then you turn and look over and you're like, I'm in the passenger seat. I'm not even <laughs> driving this car. <laughs> that is crazy. Well, uh, that's one of the things that you mentioned when you talked about things that you're 
um, inspired by mm-hmm. are traits that you admire and traits that you deplore. One, um, and my translation really was people who are who are conscious of of who they are, or at least attempting to be conscious of who they are. And mm-hmm. you talked about people who are unconscious that mm-hmm. you really don't have a lot of patience for. Well, I mean, I include myself in that as well. Okay. You know, when I when I do something unconscious and I, I write, it creates chaos, you know, and it, it causes um, unintended consequences. And if I'm trying to create a life, like a certain type of life, then it goes against that. Mm. And um, yeah, and the quote with, you know, what I do think and say are all in alignment. It's like that means like making these uncomfortable choices. Like, no, please don't put my food in a styrofoam thing. Like, here, I brought my own thing. Mm. To the restaurant, which you know, Lee's like, oh man, come <laughs> you on. Know, at, at, where do your eggs come from? Or like, what? I don't <laughs> want this plastic straw. Or uh, you know, just making well, changes in life that are actually more difficult, so that they are in alignment with my values. One of the books that you mentioned, which were many, on <laughs> as you've been reading, <laughs> a lot, um, <laughs> was called Conversations with God, mm-hmm. and I and I found a great quote from there that lines up with what you were just saying. He said, "Life begins." at the end of your comfort zone. Hmm. And that's where, you know, I, I think that, you know, you, you mentioned a few books that I thought all kind of line up in the same place. Hmm. There's, there's the conversations with God, there's Big Magic, mm-hmm. um, with Elizabeth uh, Gilbert, mm-hmm. and then The Artist's Way, mm-hmm. Julia Cameron. And a lot of them have to do with creativity um, and fear. Hmm. Um, and, and the relationship between those two things and again back to the comfort zone you know fear is sort of the edge of your comfort zone so can you like start pushing through that and what happens yeah um it seems like that's been something that you've been fascinated by for at least recently enlisting those three books yeah absolutely it has been a constant source of uh of curiosity for me because my family like would say that they're not very creative you know my mom and sister would say like well i'm just not one of those people so i, I kind of thought, well, maybe I'm not one of those people either. You know, I didn't <laughs> come from this like very musical family or a very artistic family, um, but uh, still great family, but just in those, you know, in those ways, not, not so much. And um, especially with writing my own songs, which is my, you know, a fear that I have, like mm. sharing them and not doing my call to adventure, sharing them with the world. It's like learning that it's not me that's writing them. And so if I don't like what it is, like okay well you know maybe write another one or just understanding Mm. that maybe more it's a channel and that if i can be open to it and practice it and give it the time and energy it deserves it can become something that i'm proud of Mm. well we've got a chance to see what uh what you can accomplish when you do set your mind to something uh that's why we're all here able to have this conversation this afternoon um our, our community benefits from it and uh, I love the, the focus on local and uh, with that in mind we're going to tune into another tune by uh, Slow Runner oh yeah the new monsters uh, a local band from Charleston and Nashville I believe and uh, we hope you enjoy Spoilers Love 
Alexopoulos and John Duckworth were with our guest Vicky Matsis, and that was a uh, that was a killer tune. And it was great to see the radio rebel, as the city paper referred to, just sort of banging her head in the air. You know, played a little air guitar. <laughs> How loud do you listen to that song? Listen to it loud, with the windows down, That's right. driving fast. It's Very awesome. nice. And their local band, they're, they're going to be playing uh, at the poorhouse. I, yeah, yeah. In April, beginning of April is when that CD comes out. When Slow it's runner. Official release, new monsters. Yeah, Michael Flynn. Cool. And uh, Josh Kaler. Yeah, great, great songwriter. So mm-hmm. looking forward to hearing them. We're going to spend the last segment talking about sort of your uh, refusals uh, for the calls to adventure. Um, and one of them I thought, which was interesting, talking about music, is sort of you s- not, you, you're a singer, you're a songwriter, um, um, but you're not pursuing that. You're, you're not really actively putting that out in the world. 
Is that is that a fair statement? Yeah, I I have uh, been singing and <clears throat> doing gigs, but mostly like covers. It's really about original music, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, it's interesting because sometimes what I do or what I'm good at is not necessarily my passion. So that's interesting. Like admin, grant writing, running a radio station, running a business, like pretty easy. They come naturally. Okay. Um, but this has never been something that comes naturally, but it's the thing that I dream about, that I really, uh. really want, that I, um, yeah, in my spare time when I'm dreaming, that's what it is, you yeah. know, playing original music. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking too, it's a seed that's being like watered and, and, uh, and is sprouting. I, I love that. I love that <laughs> analogy because you, you do. The, the seeds are planted, and I found that in my life that, you know, when I think back about it, they they really take three to five years to really mm-hmm. mature. You know, um, yeah. where, or they take a long time. However, that time is. You know. Yeah, just not not giving up on them. Mm-hmm. Not being like, oh well, I'm, I'm 30, so it hasn't happened yet. So, this is not for me. You know, it's that it's time when will come when it's ready and just to keep you know I keep writing songs I have a bunch of new material it's what I do in my spare time you know when Lee's gone or have the house to myself it's like I'm sitting just playing piano I'm not practicing piano that's what I realized too it's like I actually don't have this desire to master these keys and to like Uh, figure this out that's what I was working on and then I realized I really just like playing songs I like playing folk songs I like singing I like I've been doing that for 15 years I just like you know, sitting around the campfire, which we have at the hostel, that's my favorite show. It's my oh, favorite concert. Yeah. That's it's the like, first time I met you a year and a half ago. Sitting around a campfire. Sitting around a fire <laughs> yeah, at my house fire. celebrating John Duckworth's Your Awake exhibit, yeah. I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's my favorite. That's my favorite kind of uh, venue. <laughs> What's the hesitation of, because um, you have a beautiful voice. I would imagine that you're a wonderful songwriter. You a lot to say. Uh, what, what's the is there an obstacle what's the hesitate what's the fear yeah it's just fear of it not being good enough hmm. yeah I guess you know I've been really trying to work that out like what is it but when it comes to uh, singing other people's songs no problem um, when it comes to singing my own song it's I guess it's been too like precious you know hmm. it's like too um, too dear i'm too attached to them and so i've been taking songwriting courses with uh hmm. with berkeley online and you know they've been teaching that it's not precious it is not yeah, your right. opus it is not your soul's you know it's like write a song make you know work on it and then write another th- write another one like let it go it's not you know like michael flynn he's how many albums has he produced you know yeah. how many songs has he created, and that it's this like process, and I'm still not there yet. I say that to young artists a lot is when they when they when they would talk about you know work that they're doing at a young age and trying to figure out how to price it and what to do with it. Mm-hmm. And there's a tendency to want to hold on to it. Oh yeah. And um, I'm just, give it away. Yeah, just get it out there. Yeah, that's what you want because the last thing you want is is to then have this big pile. It just keeps accumulating. And over a certain point, they won't be precious anymore, and you won't want them. And you won't be able to give them away either. <laughs> so you just get it out there quick, and it's really liberating. But uh, yeah. it's not easy. It's easy to say, but it's not easy to do. Well, and in the artist way, too, she talks a lot about uh, shadow artists. Mm. You know, people that, and I realized I wrote about artists. I interviewed artists every week for three years. I'm like, tell me how you do it. Oh. Just like, 
hoping that would, you know, this person's got it. Now I can do it, too. Um, But realizing it's like, no, I've got to. I've got to do it. And there's just like a risk, you know, you, you're artists, you're both artists in your own way. Like putting yourself out there is risky. It's interesting. Cause I, I mean, I don't consider myself an artist. Uh, why would I? He, he, John is, is, is a working artist, you know, but I think it's like sort of there's us, me, and there's the artist. And I don't know where we, and I won't put you in that category. Cause I think of you as an incredible artist, but where do you lose that idea? That you're a creator, well, you know? and why are we so hesitant to to admit that, you know? Well, the art, have you ever read the artist way? I have. My wife and I did a course on the artist oh, way, cool. which is really liberating because it it brings art into the everyday process. Right. So even saying that you're not an artist though is like, but you are. Like you're creating mm. this show, just because you're not creating like a certain type of that fix in this like box called art. Right. You know, but absolutely you're an artist, and. Um, it just comes in a different form. So, yeah, I think it comes from also the media. It's like, I don't write these kind of songs. You know, that's why I'm so yeah. inspired by Nako. It's like I write about meditation and spirituality and, like, <laughs> my dreams. And, you know, um, it's, not, it's not pop music for traditional radio, kind of. So it doesn't fit. And it's like, oh, but I don't sound like local songwriters either. You know, I don't sound like this popular songwriter. I don't sound like this. So it's just being comfortable with... Like who I am, my sound, my songs. Yeah, and there's a there's there's a point at which you know it's not about what anything else is outside of you know analyzing the way it works that direction, mm-hmm. it, you know from the outside in. How does this fit into this all this out here? But it's more about um, how it, this is working for me. This is what I'm writing. This is what I'm doing. I remember there was a time when I moved out here from California where I was comparing South Carolina, Charleston to California, thinking, oh man, you know the it, it's it's I'm missing the grand Pacific Ocean and the big mountains and and all of these differences. It was the differences that I was focused on. And then I started thinking, well, what are the things that I really love about this place, mm-hmm. rather than comparing it to something else? And you know, if it's something that you love, I mean, I think that's where that idea that we, well, I'd love to talk about now, which is about having fun. <laughs> and you yeah. mentioned that that was something that you're trying to find more of in your life, right? Yeah, like like call to adventure, and I'm meditating on like what's the adventure, like you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and. Um, is playing. songwriting fun for you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, even even talking about it in public is like a big step. You know, oh, okay. it's like water on the seed. Nice. It's like, you know, inching closer. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's like, what do I do for fun? You know, creating space and time for new ideas, whether it be songs or just, you know, bringing more creative creativity into my life, into my everyday life. Um, that's not work. That's not sleep. Mm-hmm. That's not tuning out. It's not goal oriented. That's not goal oriented, <laughs> right? This whole thing about like uh, process instead of product. It's difficult, I find, as people get older, to yeah. to engage in something that will have no end product. Well, life becomes more finite, and the reality of that, I think, lands whether consciously or unconsciously, mm-hmm. and so it's a matter of almost an unconscious decision to what is the legacy. You know, like I need to fill fill this time and so like we back to stillness you know stillness becomes really challenging and then you know f- you know doing something just for the sake of the fun of it mm-hmm. becomes challenging as well which you know <laughs> that's it's, true it's hard to imagine but but it's eating up time that could be accomplishing 
something. Mm-hmm. But once you've like fulfilled it, then what? You know, because then you're caught in this. Oh yeah, I mean that's the idea of they talk. It's talked about in so many wisdom traditions about emptying the vessel, you know, mm-hmm. and 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 the idea is to empty it and then not fill it back up right away. But I think so many of us, even when we're thinking about emptying, it's just a temporary thing. Mm-hmm. Empty just enough so I could fill it full really quickly. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again. <laughs> yeah, and I just love like playing with our niece. She's six years old and mm. such a creative mind. Yeah. You know, what wildly more creative in one hour than I than I think I am, let's say, mm. in, in a month. <laughs> just the different, <laughs> you know, things that she comes up with. And so... Uh, making more space for that in my life, and weren't you weren't you talking with a friend and you were saying, let's, "Why don't we build a fort?" And she <laughs> yeah. sort of looked at you like, "Are you crazy?" She's like, "What?" It's like, "What are we gonna do?" And she was like, "You know, let's go out to dinner." I was like, "Why not?" Yeah, let's build a fort instead, like old school blankets. And, <laughs> yes, you know, we didn't yeah. just we like, didn't. because we <laughs> just yeah, or like I was like, "Why don't we play tag?" <laughs> You know, and we're like, um, you know, just wish it was like more natural that that was like. A There's a beautiful part of that, you know, I mean, uh, you, just going back and, and having kids is, is a wonderful part of, about having kids. You get to see it again mm-hmm. through their eyes, you know. In reading that art, the artist way, I was looking through a few of the uh, uh, quotes that were relevant. And, and one, of the, one of them was, serious art is born from serious play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and it's 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 so it's interesting because like you know, Alex had a birthday recently, invited me and a few friends over, and quite honestly, my plate was really full, and it and and Alex had a project we were going to get into, and I thought, oh man, I'm already really tired. I don't know how much energy I have for this. The curious thing was is that after a couple of days of working on this project, building the surf lounge with Alex and a couple <laughs> other people, um, I emerged with way more energy than I had going into it. Mm-hmm. So I, I find that that to be totally true, that like you can get re-energized through the process. Because it was, it was a project, but it was play. We were having fun the whole time. Yeah, I think that was the thing, that was the element, the key element that made it uh, nourishing and reinvigorating, even in the midst of being busy, essentially. Yeah, and doing it with friends, you know, being surrounded by the yeah. ones you love and trust and, you know, doing that. But, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, as as uh, Julia Cameron would say in the artist's way, you know, leap in the net will appear. So mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, sometimes it's 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 uh, scary. That first step is scarier than you imagine. Oh, well, I, I'm going to book your first show. Oh, there you go. Ba- back, at back at the, the fire? fire pit. Oh, sweet. Which we're going to listen to all original. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Perfect. Nice. Um, well thank you so much for spending uh, your time with us spending an hour we're so so again appreciative of what you and the whole team have done uh, for our community and getting this local radio show or or channel you know off the ground Mm -hmm. thank you Um, thanks for having me yeah absolutely yeah it's been wonderful and uh, and and again you know if if you want to if you can't hear it on the dial you can stream it online and, and what's the address, Vicki? OMRadio963.org. There you go. And tune in there. Um, and, and, you know, soon enough, we'll be hearing an original Vicki Matz's song on there, I imagine. <laughs> we'll record it. It'll be a, you know, an Around the Campfire version. That's right. Um, the best kind. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, thanks for being here. And uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Thanks, Thomas. Thanks, as, Thomas. As, as always, for doing what you do. Look forward to the next show. Thanks so much.
We're going to close it down with one of your favorites, which I thought was interesting because you picked this song because of your grandmother in Greek. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. I love that. Um, and uh, the sweetest, most loving person in my whole world. A tune, Chance the Rapper, Sunday Candy. Hello, yeah, yeah. Say in her voice, in her way, that she love me With her eyes, with her smile, with her belt, with her hands, with her money I am the thesis of her prayers Her nieces and her nephews are just pieces of the layers Only one she love as much as me is Jesus Christ and Taylor I got a future song singing for my grandma You sing it too, but your grandma ain't my grandma Mine's handmade, pan fried, sun dried, south side, and beat the devil by a landslide. Praying with a hands tied, president of my fan club, Santa. Something told me I should bring my money. Gotta move it slowly, taking in my body like it's holy. I've been waiting for you for the whole week. I've been praying for you, you're my Sunday king. You gotta move On Monday, if I had tweaked and missed you You look so good with the hat on Had to match with the shoes Came and dressed in the satin I came and sat in your pew I come to Christmas for dinner Fifty rolls on my plate Hello, holes in my stocking Holding your pockets in place I like my love with the budget I like my hugs with a scent You smell like light gas While the electricity rent You sound like why the gospel choir Got so tired Singing this praise daily basis So I gotta try it You my dream catcher Dream team team captain Matter of fact, I ain't in a minute, let me take my butt to church. You better come on in. John Duckworth back uh, with Call to Adventure. Our guest, uh, Vicky Matsis. Uh, I love Yaya because, uh, you know, when you have a last name like Opolis, you're familiar with that, uh, with that oh, term, yeah. which is an endearing yeah. term for grandmother. I didn't see Chance the Rapper coming, though. No. That was an unexpected call. <laughs> she's actively involved in a hostel. We asked her if she is, you know, what does she do on a daily basis? She's like, I'm in the middle of the conversation, you know. She's sitting down at the breakfast table. Which is a beautiful way in which people travel and share and 
and talk with one another, you know? Yeah. And I, she, I think she really loves and enjoys that process of just person to person. Yeah, know. and it, it sounds like it's not a mutual admiration society. She said no. there was a Trump supporter on one side of the table and you've got Bernie Sanders sitting next to him and they're talking about, you know, gun control. It's like serious, you know, conversations happening around the breakfast table at the hostel. Right. So she's doing that. She's certified in permaculture. She's mm-hmm. a trained yoga uh, teacher. She's uh, in Vispanza. Is that how you... Vipassana. Vipassana. Vipassana meditation. Meditate. Yeah. Meditation. Um, so yeah, I was, it was wonderful to have her on. I'm just, uh, again, fascinated by what you said, just the fear of like, she's in, she's got an incredible voice. Yeah. I mean, the first time Absolutely. I met her was around the fire and, and she was singing. I was just like, wow. It's captivating. Just, oh, wow. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, with a world-class guitar player for a husband. Oh, Lee is just unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. For those Great who combination. Need, for those who need inspiration about a possible proposal. Oh Yeah. Check out on YouTube. I think it's Boy Meets Girl. Boy Meets Girl is what it's called, yeah. And Lee Barber's proposal to uh, his uh, wonderful wife, Vicky Matzis. What, what, what an inspiring <laughs> piece of uh, creativity. Uh, yeah, and there was a yes coming for sure on that one. <laughs> well, you know, uh, right. When you do something like that, you sort of just take away the no as an option, I think. you know. <laughs> but, what you know, come back to what she's done, just a groundswell movement that she's helped create giving this uh the community a voice giving people like you and i a voice to share content um and there's not just you and i there's 27 26 others yeah yeah 26 others and that's continuing to grow um it's just a wonderful thing to have shared with our community yeah and i find it hard to imagine she mentioned you know her other wolf was lazy and, I know. and I'm thinking about the Herculean <laughs> effort it takes to put something like this together and the irony of the lazy wolf. Right, right. <laughs> when, right. I when, mean, when does that appear? Yeah. If, how many must. adjectives would you have to go through? To get to that one? To get to that one when you think about Vicky. Yeah, I, I, would, mean, think of, I would think quite yeah. a lot. But you know, I think that you know, so often we're our own worst critic. That's right. And, and, uh, and, and I'm certain that that applies in this case as well. I loved her quote, and I'm going to uh, state it again. Uh, Mahatma Gandhi's happiness is when, when you, what you think, what you say, and what you do are in harmony. And I think there's so many things I admire about her, but I really admire that she's living a life or striving to live a life um, that embodies those ideals. And, and yeah. I think she, you, you got to fight for that. It doesn't come easy. No, um, but she is even decisions at the grocery store, you know, yeah. paper or plastic or bring your own bag. Like, like she talked about it's yeah. small things, but, but it's, it makes a big difference and it's a big deal. So thank you, uh, to Vicky for spending some time with us. Thank you to Lee Barber, another creative genius who's helped to make this all happen. Thanks to Thomas making it sound so uh, hopefully good and Katie the whole team. Thanks to the listeners who uh, for sharing another hour of their time with us. And, and let's not forget that it's locally supported community radio. Your contributions help make this all happen. Check out ohmradio963.org and contribute whatever you can. A buck, five, ten, twenty-five, whatever level. It all counts. John, you have anything you want to finish off with? Good to spend another hour with you, buddy. Yeah, man. Always appreciate yeah. it. Always enjoy it. And uh, have fun. I mean, when she said, uh, what do you do for fun? 
I guess this is what I do for fun. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah. This has got to be yeah. part of it. Now let's go build a fort. All right. We'll go build a fort. <laughs> we'll see you on the flip side. Thanks for tuning in. Cheers. And remember, the road that is distinctly your own has never been traversed. Celebrate the path that is your call to adventure. This show is brought to you by Objectivity Squared Wealth Management, helping families strategize, execute, monitor, and communicate their financial decisions. Learn more at objectivitysquared.com.